Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church and welcome to Football Sunday. It's Super Bowl Sunday today. So how many of you have plans to watch the game tonight? Anybody in the room gonna watch the game? All right, of course, yes. So are you gonna watch it uh, by yourself or are you gonna watch it with a group of people? Anybody gonna be hanging out with other friends? Okay, a few of you have got some friends, okay. So let's think about that. So a lot of you are gonna be there watching the game, but really you don't care about the game, you care about the commercials. How many of you like commercials? Anybody? They're pretty interesting, aren't they? This year, uh, a 30-second spot costs $5.6 million. Okay, $5.6 million. That's a, that's a lot of cash right there. And so uh, it's very interesting. Last year, uh, it went up, I mean, this year it went up 500000 over last year. So, you know, when we think about football like this and people gathering together, a lot of chicken wings, a lot of nachos, and a lot of all that, it really is built uh, around this special day. Uh, football brings us together in relationships. And I think that's one of the special things about holidays like this, and I know it's, football Sunday's not a holiday, uh, but it's about relationships. And over the next few minutes, I just wanna talk to you about how to strengthen the relationships you have and really how to make your relationships successful. All of us have this heart that we want to get along with people better, that we wanna have deeper connection with people, we wanna have deeper relationships with our family members and, and if you're married, maybe with your, with your spouse. And all of us are looking for that. And I think the very heart of relationships is the concept of love. We say it around here a lot of uh, times that we're here to love God and we're here to love people and we're here to serve the world. Well, that, that second thing, loving people, that's kind of the challenge at times. And so we wanna grow in that. So over the next few minutes, I wanna talk to you about four things that you can do to strengthen your relationships and really, I believe, will give you successful relationships. The Bible verse that we're gonna focus on will, become, uh, will be 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, if you are not a church-going person and you just happen to be here, welcome to the creek. Please come back next week. Uh, this verse I'm talking about, you're probably familiar with. It doesn't matter if you go to church or not go to church. If you've probably ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard 1 Corinthians 13. In fact, if you've ever been to a wedding that I've done, I always try to lay a foundation for every relationship upon God's word and specifically upon these verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So let's dive in. It says, love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, and it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres, for love never fails. Love never fails. Over the next few minutes, I wanna talk about four things that I believe you can do from these verses that will strengthen your relationship. Here's the number one. 
I want you to protect people's reputation. Protect people's reputation for love is choosing to build up what others will tear down. I want you to protect people's reputation because love is choosing to build up when other people tear down. We live in a culture that is, um, finds it very easy to tear uh, people down. You'll hear it in just the words we use uh, are the actions. And you'll see it around. People are trying to tear one another down, disrespect one another. Uh, you see it uh, locally. You see it uh, nationally. And it's just this toxic culture. But Jesus calls us to go against the grain. He calls us to build up instead of tearing down. That we're to speak life and to be positive when, when the world may go a different direction. When we look at this verse that says love always protects, I want to go a little bit deeper in the original uh, word that is used here in Scripture. It actually means to cover with a roof. So it's saying that love covers like a roof. In other words, that when um, love provides this shelter, and there may be times when storms come in and, and rain just pelts your household or pelts your relationships, that that love becomes like this uh, barrier, this barrier of protection over you, that it, it protects your relationship. Love covers, it protects. And if we're gonna love somebody, then we're gonna come to the place where we protect that person. If you're going to love somebody, you're going to protect them. So how do you do that? I think, first of all, you, you minimize their hurt. We see this as we're raising young children, and some of you are parents, and you've had young kids, and you see your young kids, especially toddlers. Let's say if they, they grab a butter knife or maybe a screwdriver, and they head to the wall, and the, they go to put that butter knife in, into the wall socket, you are one step ahead of them, and you're grabbing that away from them. Or maybe you're in a parking lot. And that young four-year-old of yours uh, gets out of the car and out of the car seat, and then they take off. And before they go out into the parking lot or go out in the street, you're, you're one step ahead of them, and you're grabbing them, and you're protecting them. Well, you do that because you love that child. Well, here this verse is saying that's how we should love everyone, that we will love enough to protect, to provide a shelter, to minimize the hurt. So when you go into your relationships, are you thinking, how can I protect this person? How can I minimize the hurt uh, in this person's life? I think that you also minimize their, their mistakes. There's a tendency in some relationships where we highlight the mistakes of other people. And I think we do that because we're thinking if, if we will focus on their mistakes, maybe people won't notice our mistakes, but that is not what Scripture is telling us to do. That we need to minimize their, their mistakes and, and overlook their faults. Love covers, love protects. Proverbs chapter um, 10 says it this way, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. It watches out for others. And if you're gonna grow in your relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a, a dating relationship, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a family unit, maybe it's at work, that you come to the place where you start to learn what it means to protect that person. Love covers. Because here's what we know, that none of us in this room, 
None of us in our relationships, no, nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. There's nobody perfect here. And so we have to understand that as we are covering them, oftentimes we see ourselves in that situation and we have been there and we felt the brunt of the pain of that decision and we're there trying to protect them to keep them from experiencing the same thing that we have felt in in our lives. And what we understand when God looks to us that love covers a multitude of sins. That's 1 Peter chapter four. Love covers a multitude of sins. It protects us. Now, how, just let's get real practical. How does this work out in our everyday life? How does it love covers? How does love protects? Well, I think first of all, you can protect someone by refusing to gossip about them. You can protect them by refusing to gossip. In other words, let your words be few at times. Refusing the gossip means that it's not gonna be uh, the very first thing that you talk about when you get to work tomorrow. Did you hear about this? It's not gonna be the first thing you post about on Instagram or, or on Facebook that you start to protect them, that you say, I am not going to gossip about them. I think love also says, I'm not gonna nitpick. There's a danger when you become very comfortable and settled in a relationship and a relationship maybe is not growing, it is kind of stagnant. There's a tendency that people nitpick. And sometimes they say, oh, I'm just joking. We're just joking with each other. But you have to be very careful about the words you say, even in, in just, because here's what we know, that even most humor has a little bit of truth in it. And if you're using humor to try to jab at somebody, that's an inappropriate use of humor and it's not gonna take your relationship further. I cringe so many times if I see a husband and wife out and, and all of a sudden one criticizes the other. And I, I walk away thinking if that person says that out in public criticizing their spouse, I wonder what really goes on in private. I wonder what goes on in private. And so I want you to guard that relationship. I want you to be the protector. I want you to, uh, uh, to protect. We need to protect those people that we love. We see so many examples of how God loves people and how God loves even people who are far from him or people are in bondage or are in prob- uh, have problems. We see an example of this in Ezra chapter nine. It says, though we are slaves, our God has not forsaken us. God has not forsaken us in our bondage. He has granted us new life to rebuild the house of our God and to repair its ruins. And he has given us, notice this, a wall of protection. So God reaches down and builds a wall of protection. Another verse says a hedge of protection. And so if God protects us with his love, then our love should protect other people. So who are you building a wall of protection around? Who are you protecting? It's important that we do this. Now, love means that that, that we strengthen those folks that are weak, that we see the weak areas of that person and that we stand with them and we strengthen those weak areas. That we strengthen the weak, we shield 
those individuals uh, in the moments that they're vulnerable, and then we forgive when, uh, when they're provoked. Who are you shielding? Who are the people that are vulnerable in your life? Who are the people that are weak? Who are the people that are provoked and need forgiveness? I want you to think very practically about the relationships that you're in. Your relationships in your family, your relationships at work. And I want you to be that force of protection for them. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, it says, It always protects. Notice this, it always trusts. Love always trusts. Here's the point trust people's intentions. I want you to trust people's intentions. Loving means giving them the benefit of the doubt. Loving means giving people the benefit of the doubt. It always trusts. You know, there's several types of people in the world. You've got those gullible people who trust anybody and everybody, they're just gullible. And then you've got another group of people called the cynics, and they don't trust anybody. The gullible people will trust everybody. The cynics trust nobody. But loving people are the people who give others the benefit of the doubt. The benefit of the doubt. It takes people at their highest and their best. Um, and it, they constantly believe in them. They look at them at the highest and the best, not at their weakest and the worst. So how are you trusting of people? How do you do that? One way you can trust people is by giving them a second chance when they blow it. You know, um, we've all blown it. We've all made mistakes. And there's a flaw in my life where I have this uh, propensity, this tendency that if somebody blows it, or somebody, instead of giving them the benefit of the doubt, so many times I am tempted just to write them off. Not that I, I'm gonna be mean to them or anything, but I just don't acknowledge, they just fade away, okay? And this is not something I'm, this is a little bit of confession here, so this is not something um, I'm proud of, but I just, I'm, I almost go like Mr. Wonderful on, on Shark Tank. You're dead to me. And so I just kind of, it's not, I just don't see that person because I, I think, look, I've got to stay focused on other things, let them handle that. I, they're just not in my life anymore. And so that is not the what you need to do. So here's the real question. Um, who do you need to give a second chance to? Who is that person in your circle that you need to extend grace to? Who is that person that you need to give another chance to? You know, so many times uh, when a football player fumbles the ball, the coach will put him in the next time they get the ball and give him an opportunity to redeem himself. And in doing that, he's given him a second chance because he knows it's gonna build his confidence. Who is that person in your life that you need to give a second chance in order to build their confidence? And some of you may be doing, need to do this with the teenagers. Maybe you're a, a parents of teenagers and they need a lot of second chances because they're just learning what it means to, to take responsibility. They're learning what it means to be a young adult. 
And so just maybe you need to extend grace and extend a second chance. Here's the truth, is that you've been a teenager before, you've been there. You know what it's like. And you are over there praying that they don't find out what you did when you were their age. And so there comes a point where we have to, uh, to encourage people and we encourage people by, by giving them a second chance that, you know, I'd say be honest, say, you know, you really let me down here. You betrayed our confidence. You really blew it. You've got to be very clear when you, you're dealing with these issues with people. Don't ever just ignore it, but you've got to confront it. You blew it. You let me down. You really messed up. You've got to be clear. You blew it. You let me down, you really messed up, but I'm gonna give you another chance. I'm gonna put my trust in you again. When you start to put your trust in them, watch what happens. They will rise to that level. It will bring liberty to them. I think you can accomplish almost anything when somebody believes in you. And so I just want you to think about that as you're dealing with, with relationships that um, that have gone off the rails. Maybe it's a marriage relationship. Maybe it's a dating relationship. And, and maybe there's been trust broken. And I want to encourage you uh, to extend grace. To extend grace in that situation. And to, um, there's the temptation to give them a third degree. And, um, but I want to say, just give them a second chance. Because I love trust. And if you want to grow in that relationship, you've got, to, you've got to learn to trust again and give that second chance. But here's what I hear some of you saying, Marty, you don't understand. I've given him a second chance, a third chance. I've given her a fourth chance, a fifth chance. I am sick and tired of this. And some of you have dealt with, let's say, children, um, maybe adult children even, or friends that have addiction problems. And you have given them chances after chance after chance and still it has not produced the fruit that you hadn't produced the freedom. What do you do when, when you've lost all trust? And let me say, if you're dealing with an addict, uh, I would say you cannot trust that addict because those things that they want to do, they often find themselves not doing and those things they hate the thought of doing, they find themselves doing. And we read about this in Romans chapter seven, and, and Paul said, oh, what a wretched man I am. Who's gonna deliver me from the body of death that's on me? And he goes on to say, but thanks be unto Christ who set me free. Until that addict comes to the place where they're, they're free in Christ, it's going to be a struggle. But let me say this, what do you do when you can't trust somebody? I say you put your trust in the Lord. You put your trust in the Lord. And that you just continue to pray. I'll tell you, uh, when we went through the 21 days of prayer, and I went through the, uh, me personally, I went through hundreds of cards. And over and over, I see people who have relationship issues. I see people who have addiction issues. I anxiety, stress, and that. And over and over, I see this. And so I know what you're wrestling with. And I know you may not be able to trust him, but hear me, you can trust the Lord when you can't trust anybody else. 
You can trust the Lord when you can't trust anybody else. And if they've broken trust, I'd say put your focus on the Lord and trust him because God knows what he is doing and God wants that person set free and God wants that person whole and delivered more than you do. People need protection. People need trust. And they need protection without smothering. And so you've got to learn that, that difficult balance there. And let me say this to the wives here. Your husbands appreciate when you say the words, I love you. But more than likely, if you really want to touch him in a very deep place, say these words, I trust you. Because when you say that to your husband, it, I think it really communicates in a deeper way your commitment to him and your belief in him. And wives, your husbands want you to believe in him. More than anything, they want you to believe in him and to, uh, they want you to trust him. Now, husbands, there are times where you have broken trust that they have put their trust in you and you've let them down. Just saying I'm sorry uh, uh, doesn't mean that the next day everything's gonna be okay. There will be a, a season where you will be rebuilding and restoring trust in that relationship. And so you've gotta work it out and you've gotta uh, help uh, that relationship go to a deeper place where trust is restored. It can be done. Okay, let's move on. It says love always protects, it always trust, and it always hopes. Love always protects. It's like that, that roof, that, that shield of protection. The rain is coming, but your love is going to be that protection. It's that wall of protection around them. It's that trust saying, I believe in you. I trust you. I'm going to give you a second chance. Now it says always hopes. Here's the third thing. I want you to expect the best in other people. Expect the best. Love is, is treating people like who they're becoming instead of who they are now. Love is treating people like who they're becoming, not who they are right now. It's hopeful. I want you to expect the best in other people. Now, we spent last month talking um, about the subject, expect great things. And every week in that series, I said, well, how would it be tomorrow if you went into your workplace and you expected something great? What would it be like if you went home and you looked at your family and you expected something great out of your family? Well, I want you to take that mindset and Think about it this way, that love always trusts and it always hopes. It hopes for the best. Have you ever noticed that people often live up to your expectations? I think we, we shape the people around us by what we expect of them. We shape the people around us by what, um, what we expect. We set people up all the time. If we set them up at this level, uh, a higher level, and we expect them to make it, more than likely they're going to make it because people will rise to the expectation. Uh, Bruce Wilkinson, who's written a number of books, in fact, he wrote the book, uh, The Prayer of Jabez, that I focused on several weeks ago. Uh, several years ago, he was uh, uh, hired on at a college in, in Portland, Oregon, and he was talking to a group of teachers uh, after he had gotten his class uh, schedule, 
and uh, uh, as he was talking to them in the teacher's lounge, one of the teachers looked at his students and said, hey, you got section A students. That's great. You're going to love it. They're going to be a joy to teach. And he said, what's section A? It said, it's the, the cream of the crop in the English department. They're, they're section A. And, and so he went through that semester and sure enough, that guy was right. And when the semester was over, the two classes of section A students he had made A's and B's and all the other four classes that he had um, made C's, D's, and F's. And he was quite excited about being, and it was just a joy to teach his students. And they were back in uh, the teacher's lounge after the semester was over. And he said, man, I hope I get section A students again next semester. They were a joy to teach. And the, another professor said, what do you mean? The university did away with that uh, concept six years ago. He said, no, no, I had section A students. And he went to the president. He said, hey, uh, uh, I was given section A students, right? And he said, no. He said, we did it away with that program six years ago. And then Bruce realized that he went into those two classes thinking that they were the best. And as a result of his expectations, those students rose to a higher level. So the point is we get what we expect. And oftentimes we, we have to call those things that be not as though they are already exist. That's in uh, Romans 4 and 17. And so we call those things that be not as though we, we call it out. We expect the best. As we expect great things, as we expect the best in other people, then we see them rise to the occasion and embrace that. And so love is treating people the way that we want them to become. Love always hopes. Now, let's move on. It said, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love always perseveres. Here's the point. I want you to stay committed to people. Stay committed to people. Love means never giving up on someone. Love means never giving up on someone. Love endures when things go bad. Love endures the worst seasons of a relationship. Love is looking at a person and says, you know, you can throw out everything, but, but I'm gonna be there. I am sticking with you. I'm gonna keep loving you no matter what. It says love perseveres. Now, what is Perseverance. Perseverance is not merely hanging on. Perseverance is growing under the pressure. Growing under the pressure. Here's what I know, that you are under pressure. I mentioned those prayer cards over and over, hundreds of cards. I saw this over and over, the uh, stress and anxiety and pressure. Those words are repeated. And that you feel under pressure at work, you feel under pressure in your finances. You feel under pressure in your relationships. Perseverance is growing underneath that pressure. That you are growing through that. Love gives you that ability to hang on. Love gives you that ability to grow through the problems and, and to continue on in the relationship, to continue on moving forward. Too many people... Just give up. Instead of working through a situation, they just walk out. 
Too many people, they fear commitment. They don't want to persevere under pressure. They don't want to be committed. They're afraid of commitment. That's why they don't want to commit to marriage. And I just want to say to those, those couples here that you're in a committed relationship, but you're not married. I want to just, I want you to hear this section. I want you to have that type of love that perseveres through the problems and perseveres and grows through uh, the seasons of difficulty. And I believe that marriage is that commitment. And so if you're just practicing marriage or you're playing house, I get it, there's a lot of reasons you do that. There's a whole lot of reasons and that's a whole different conversation. But let me say this, there's something about being committed that looking in the eye of that person said, I am committed to you, I am committed enough to make this legal. Legal in the eyes of the state and legal in the eyes of the Lord. That I am committed, I want our love to be so strong that we're gonna persevere, that we're gonna grow through this. And I, look, I get it. I understand. There's a whole list of reasons why you uh, feel like that you ended up in this uh, situation and that you're, uh, you're embracing the cultural norm. I'm telling you, it is normative for people to practice marriage before getting married. But just because something is normal doesn't mean that it is best for you. And I stand up here week after week and I want the best life for you. And I believe the best life for you is in a surrendered relationship to Jesus Christ and that when you make that step uh, with that partner of yours, that it is a committed uh, relationship in holy matrimony. You know the word holy matrimony? It means, holy means that it's set apart. So when you set apart this relationship, it's gonna be different than the world. The world uh, doesn't think twice about playing house. Doesn't think twice. It is normative. If you want to be normal, just keep doing what, you want to do, what you're doing, okay? But I want you to be in the place where you can be the best that you can be. And I believe that's in a surrendered relationship with the Lord and a committed relationship with the person that you're with. There's something about that commitment. Now, let's talk about those, the marriage folks here. So many times, people... They just bail. Yeah, they have that piece of paper saying they're in holy matrimony, but that piece of paper doesn't, is not worth the, piece, uh, the paper that is written on. And so uh, that doesn't make it any better. That if, if you are married, but you're living as if you're single, that's probably worse. But say, we're not here to talk about uh, that in particular. I'm here to lift up the value of love. I'm here to, to, to encourage you to go deeper in your love and to take that next step and to have that love uh, with that strength that you're going to persevere through the tough times. You're going to persevere. It means you're going to grow through this, that you're going to grow through this. In the New Testament, uh, the New Living Translation of 1 Corinthians 13, it says it this way. Love never gives up, love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. 
I want you to have that enduring love. I want you to have that relationship that you're gonna go through life with till death do you part. Starting today, that you make that commitment till death do you part, that you're gonna surrender to the Lord and you're gonna surrender. Surrender is an interesting um, concept here. Concept of submit. You know, the Bible talks a lot about submission, mutual submission, all that. Submission is that invitation for someone else to lead. Patty and I are in a submitted relationship. We're submitted to one another. That means that I submit to her leadership in certain areas and she submits to my leadership in other areas. That we understand there's the, the mutual submission here. And I think when we come to that point that we grow deeper and stronger in our relationships. Well, our time's up. But I want to take the last few minutes, just talk about where are you? Where do you find yourself in this, uh, this journey of love? Some of you are just thinking about maybe one day that you'll start dating and others are dating. You're thinking one day that I may get engaged and be married. Some of you are married and, and um, have been married and you're thinking about what the future looks like. Some of you have gone through the pain of divorce. Let me say this. You know, the Bible is very clear. It says God hates divorce. Here's my take on that. You know, the one of the reasons why God hates divorce? Because divorce hurts people that God loves. It just hurts people. And God loves you and he wants to see you better. And so if, I don't know what kind of relational uh, seasons you've been through with, but I do believe that life can be better than it is right now. And that's why I'm standing up here week after week just encouraging you, just pastoring you that it can be better. Life can be better than it is now. How does it become better? It is when we surrender our lives to Jesus, say, Jesus, help me. That could be the most powerful prayer that you will pray today. Help me. I need help. Help me. For some of you, it'll be save me. Others of you will heal me. But sometimes it's in that simple, heartfelt cry that we connect to the deepest and the most meaningful relationships, uh, relationship that we'll ever have. So today, as we close, I want to just pray for you. I want to just pray that God moves in your life. And I do believe that today is the day of surrender. And there are some of you that have never surrendered your life to Jesus. And today's the day you're going to say, God, I surrender to you. I give my life to you. There's another group of you that you've been saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, joined the church, all that. And yet, right now, you feel burdened down and you feel overwhelmed with the events of your life. You're just burdened down and you're wondering, can you even make it another week? Yes, you can. But the Lord would say to you, today is a day of surrender to you, that you need to surrender the situation, surrender this challenge, surrender that calendar maybe, whatever that thing is, you need to give it over to the Lord because you are trying to do what you cannot do. You are not the Lord. You are not somebody else's Savior. Jesus is the Savior. 
And so you need to give it over to him and allow him. So today's prayer for you, God, I surrender this. I disburden this thing. I cannot do this. I cannot handle it. I need a power that is greater than myself. I need your help. He's here to do that. He's here to make your life better. So you ready? You ready for a new step, a new life, a better life? Let's pray together. Father, I pray for the people in this room. I pray for those watching online. I pray, God, for all of us that we would come to the place where we would surrender to you. Now, there's a group, Lord, that is here trying to investigate Christianity, try to figure things out. And Father, to those, I would say this. If you would like to be saved, surrender your life to Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, save me. Just say that. Say, save me. Forgive me for my sins. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. I give you my life. Say that. God, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Just say that. God, fill me. Now, Lord, as they pray that prayer, I ask that you would do as only you can do. Lord, secondly, I pray for those individuals that are carrying a weight and a burden so much that this weight is affecting the way they treat people. It's affecting the way they handle their future, their finances. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would supernaturally lay your hand on them and that you would ease the burden, that you would lift the pain, that you would lift the difficulty. God, that you would give them wisdom. Some of them are trying, the burden is an intellectual burden. It's trying to figure out the next step for a company, the next step uh, for a career. I pray in the name of Jesus that God gives you clear clarity that you would take that right step. So we surrender it all to you. We give it to you, Lord, and we trust you. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Be blessed today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the give button. See you next time.